98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station and the home of the Suns. Home of the Suns. We're checking in with Suns nerd Kellen Olsen on the rundown. Yes, we are. Luke Lipinski back here with you. Jeff Darge behind the glass and joining us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line, the one and only Kellen Olsen. Kellen, it's been a pretty quiet week around the country. How are you doing? Oh, you know, just uh, relaxing. Just very able to not worry about anything. It's, everybody's just kind of chilling this week. It's like we all took vacation at the same time. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who didn't take vacation. The NBA owners and players approving a December 22nd start, a 72-game regular season. I'll just start here. Are you surprised that they were able to get this together So what, what seemed so quickly? I'm not surprised because there's such an insane amount of urgency for them because of the amount of money that they've lost in all these leagues and all these businesses, like, of course, like across the world have lost. So like the immediate, the immediate question kind of becomes, well, how do you make up for this? How do we get back on track? And then you start looking towards next season and the season beyond. And there was this really, I think what added even more urgency is that, there was this shift from it seemed like the league was going to wait until fans were going to be able to return, and that's when I was telling people, like, I'm not even sure if they're going to play in, like, February. It might be March or April. And then it turned into, oh, this huge wave is coming. It was just announced today that, like, there were the most cases today in the country than there ever have been for a day. So with the second wave of the coronavirus coming, they've shifted to, okay, let's just kind of get a season done here again with either no fans or very little fans. And then the season after that, which is going to be back on our regular rotation, which is October to June, that is when we will start to really uh, start to get back on track. It's If that made sense at all, I don't even think it makes sense to them, honestly, but that's how they're trying to make sense of it, at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense in the sense that you just want to get as many games in and get a season in as, as, as best you can, hit the 72-game mark because that makes you more money with TV, try ideally to have a relatively full season and then get on track for the Olympics and next season. So what does that mean now for free agency in the draft? That means we're moving quick and I'm, I'm very fascinated to see what the effects are, particularly for just players moving to new teams. And that could be rookies getting drafted. That could be guys getting traded or, or signed because you think about the past league calendar guys get drafted in June they get traded for in June or they get signed or traded for in July. And then we go August, September training camp starts in October. You go from two months to two weeks. Now uh, the draft is on November 18th to uh, December 1st is when training camps are going to start. That's under two weeks. So some players are going to get acquired in trades on November 18th, and they're going to have to figure out in two weeks where they're living, all this stuff, get used to their new city in a couple of weeks while playing for a new team. And then in a little over a month playing their first real NBA games for, for these rookies specifically. So I no no summer league, obviously, because we're in winter now. <laughs> uh, uh, if you have stepped outside in Arizona recently, you will disagree with that statement, but I swear it's winter. They tell me it's winter. Um, but I, I don't really know how it's going to go. This is really unprecedented. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Everything is just kind of, it's new and, and they're forging ahead. But in general, and I'm not trying to even compare it to the other sports, but it's sort of it's sort of impossible, specifically with baseball. Like It seemed like it took baseball so long to get on the same page this past summer and, and get the owners and players to agree on stuff, and then they finally did it. And they you know, had some issues and stuff, but 
the NBA got that bubble together pretty quickly, and now they've gotten this together relatively quickly. What are some of the uh, the, the potential challenges or, or concerns that they are dealing with that maybe they can't totally prepare for, but that they're at least looking at going forward? Well, you look at what's happened in all the other sports right now that are doing this outside of bubble formats. Obviously, the NFL has dealt with some rescheduling of games, postponement of games, and so on. The Pac-12 is off to a horrible start already. They've already seen two games canceled before they even got going, or are not canceled, I believe postponed is what they're saying. But either way, the NBA is going to have to get ready for that if they're not, um, if they're not doing a bubble, which they're not. So it, that's just the reality uh, of the disease right now. And just if someone's going to slip up, it's, it's just the, the way, unfortunately, that it works. And, and, and without the bubble in place, you're going to have positive uh positive tests within the league, positive guys getting uh, the coronavirus, of course. And you're going to have to figure out your new system in terms of the roster. How do you, what is your policy basically? Do you get what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a difference now from the bubble to now that's really hard to explain, but since everything isn't so contained and, and available to them, they could just do contact tracing within the bubble and find out every single guy that this guy has been around in the past six to 12 hours. They can't do that when they're just back at home and everything, you know, and then going out everywhere. So it's just so much more complicated now for them. And it was, it was so simplistic in the bubble before, which is why there's been some debates this week, which I agree with of like, obviously the bubble sucks and like staying in the same place is pretty horrible for like mental health and everything but at the same time it was very safe and it was very successful yeah it, it's a good point we're talking to Kellen Olson I mean I think maybe the the simplest way to put it is this new system they're going to attack this upcoming season with is probably a lot easier on the players mentally like you said probably a much bigger headache for Adam Silver and, and the NBA executives that that have to if nothing else be ready with a lot of uh, flexibility and, and ability to adjust on the fly because like you said they're going to have to adjust whether it is I mean, I don't know. Are they gonna? Are they looking seriously at, at having a schedule set up where, you know, the Suns go to play Sacramento, and if they're going to play them twice the season, they play them twice on the same trip? Is that something they can do? That is what is being discussed uh, potentially, and what is likely going to be the outcome. And, and the most obvious qualm here is: let's say you're traveling to Denver and Utah, and you play your five or six games against those teams. Let's say the Kings go there and they go there when Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell are hurt. Mm. They get that little window where, as opposed to them playing them in November, January, and March, they get different timelines. But now teams are going to get advantages that other teams aren't going to have. Just There's going to be some more luck involved in the scheduling, which is weird to say, but it was, it was balanced a certain way for a reason before, and now you're getting out of the way of that because you've got to go now. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you, you see a team spread out five times over the course of the year and their best players hurt, you're probably only missing him once instead of all five times contained together. Um, to the Suns specifically, I mean, we know who the core is. Do you foresee this roster looking much different from the one that ran through the bubble at 8-0 when the season starts? Yeah, I really do. Um, I think that there's a decision to be made, and like the, the closer we get to the offseason officially starting in the moratorium lifting when trades are going to be allowed shortly before the draft, I think there's, there's going to be a, a shift with the roster. Now, whether that's just guys like Baines, Sarich, Kaminsky, Diallo, uh, Okobo, those guys being gone and replaced, 
or if it's like something way more legitimate, like a trade involving Kelly Oubre, them trying to acquire a huge name in either free agency or, um, or on the trade market. I really think it could be one of those bigger names. I'm starting to get more and more convinced. They have a huge advantage right now uh, with the Caps staying at 109 instead of it going down. They're going to be one of the few teams with cap space that they choose to move on from those guys like Dario Baines uh, and Kaminsky. They're going to be able to open up some money and compete with other teams like the Knicks and the Pistons and the Hawks that they're quite frankly just better at, better than, and just have a better scenario to present to these guys and make a good pitch. If you are running the Suns, if they just if they call you and they're like, hey, hey. Kellen, can you just run the Suns for the next few weeks and you that free agency happens to fall in those few weeks? I mean, what are you trying to get in free agency? Oh, man. I, I, I don't think I've ever thought about it from that perspective. If I'm being honest, people are going to think I'm lying, but I'm, I'm always trying to think of what they're going to do in their heads as opposed to mine. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that's, that's the honest truth. But with that question being put on me, I, I – I really think that it comes down to like, I just need to have one lengthy conversation with Devin Booker and see how he's doing. Okay. Because if he's okay with us potentially missing the playoffs this season, and like, let's say we, we compete with this roster like they did um, over the last, uh, over the bubble run, of course, he's okay with like slowly building this thing organically with such a young team, then I don't think you do really anything drastic. But if he wants to go now and he wants to make a playoffs, which honestly he should because of how terrible this team has been around in the past couple of years. I just do whatever that man wants, honestly, because it isn't going anywhere uh, without him. And if he starts to get more unsettled and wants to win and the right moves aren't being made that he wants, I know people are going to laugh at that and say, kid's never made the playoffs. He's only 24 years old. You can't let him dictate what the franchise wants. He is the franchise right now. He has been for the past three years, and he will be for the next five to ten, depending on how much longer he's here. Yeah, I guess he's that great of a player. So I, I, you really need to focus on what he wants and what the timeline dictates there. You can't like overreact and do like a really foolish, like Blake Griffin, Kevin Love trade or something, but you've got to also compete if he wants that. What, uh, we'll wrap up on this. What, what did you make of, of Ryan Rosillo's comments there? I guess just one comment. And I tell you what, the thing, I mentioned this the other day, the thing that stood out to me on, on when he was talking on the Bill Simmons podcast, it, it didn't seem like he was trying to make a big deal about the Booker thing. He just kind of casually threw it out there like it's common knowledge that Booker wants out. But I mean, we've never heard Devin Booker say he wants out. So I just, what did you make of, of just how casually he threw that in there? Um, it, it, this isn't even uh, a... a a line to say like directly to those two guys who who do a great job with what they do and talk about basketball. But it, like the scouts that are saying that, or the front office people who are saying that or whatever, like they're looking at the Suns for the first time in a while. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. Like they're, the Suns are in just like such a different lens now and have so much more attention on them. And I think the logic there is the logic that we've been talking about here for the past two and a half years, when it was clear, like entering Devin's third season that he was, on his way to becoming this level of player, and he's just going to continue to get better and be eventually like an all-NBA-level player. That's probably what it'll be next season, honestly. You've got to have a better situation around him. So I think that it's foolish to to say that he would want out. No one knows, though. That's the thing. Like Whoever heard that absolutely does not know that. That that is also not true. But I don't think really anyone does because – Devin's just the guy who keeps everything close to his family and his close friends. And I don't think anyone would really honestly know if he was. And 
that's just the truth about it. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I know whether or not, because I don't think he would allow anyone to in the first place. But I will say that it coming from that specific source is just that's hogwash. Yeah. Wow. That's the first time we've ever used hogwash on the show. So I appreciate that. But I also appreciate yeah, when you can't say the bad words on live radio, <laughs> you got to think of something. That, that's what came to mind. Hogwash was pretty powerful. But I, I mean, I, I also I, I, I like what you said there, though, too. I mean, it made if you're looking at the Suns for the first time in a long time, that logic made sense two years ago, and Devin Booker never said he wanted out two years ago. Now the team is actually like potentially good this year. We can realistically talk about a playoff berth, depending what else happens in the Western Conference. I don't understand well, why you'd want to leave now. And Luke, if you think about like Anthony Davis in the past year or two, like in passing, like the type of guy would be like, "Oh, I'm out of there, man. Screw that." Devin's just like not the type of guy to to do that and just like let it be known that he wants to be out there. And even if he was in a situation where he really wanted to leave. Like, it, it would not go down, with, and it wouldn't be so casual to where some assistant vice president of the Indiana Pacers knows. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yep, that's probably the best way to wrap it up there. All right, Kellen, thanks a lot, man. Try to relax and have a good weekend. We appreciate the time. Yep, thanks. All right, that's Kellen Olson checking in with an NBA slash Suns update on the Coulter Automotive Group sports line. Coulter Cadillac Tempe, experience the difference. Visit com. When we come back, we'll hear from the Arizona Cardinals GM, Steve Keim, as we head into Week 9 against the Miami Dolphins. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Wapinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.